Tyler motherfucking lovely. My boy. What's up? My boy. How we doing? Dude, I'm fantastic. Oh, that's good to hear. You look fantastic, bro. You look fantastic. You be uh, this is the thing, because you you look fantastic. You look better than most of the people that I associate with. And it's the thing you need to know that I'm associating with some good looking people out here, bro. Well, thank I'm telling you. you. I'm telling you. Looking good, bro. Thank you very much. Dude, you have had a pretty great last week. Dude, it's been a good week. It's been a good week. Dude, it's been a good month. It's been a good year. I've been you, I've been feeling good. You are a damn good host. Thank you, bro. You thank are you. a damn good because I think Correct me if I'm wrong, but okay. I think like a couple of years ago, you were a like you were one of the roasters at a roast battle, right? Yeah, yeah, I definitely was like putting my time in with them roasts. Okay. We still be doing that here and there and stuff, but yeah, that was definitely one of the things that you do around here to get your foot in some doors yeah. for sure. Yeah. So because yeah. I saw you do one of the roasts at Revel, mm-hmm. and then obviously recently. Uh, you hosted the first Don't Tell. Don't Tell. That's right. That went Fucking so good, too. I feel like that was amazing. awesome. Yeah, it that was, was amazing. Great show, man. Cool well, venue, all that. I didn't expect it to be all local comics. Yeah. I thought it was going to be, because I, I knew Don't Tell was like a traveling thing. I knew mm-hmm. they do pop-ups. I'd seen their stuff on YouTube. Exactly. Yeah. But I don't know what to expect. And basically, this was a, and this is no shade, but this is a, way best case scenario dry heat show no and and you know and to an extent it really was that right like, it was like, like like best case scenario dry heat lineup and it was lineup. great it yeah. was great that was some of the like i even told zach this afterwards like that was the best set i've ever seen him do awesome yeah. and i think across the fuck, let me see if i can remember so it was jake libby was on there libby isabel from santa fe isabel from santa fe tj from TJ, santa fe yep right yep. zach zach chuck Chuck Black Mike and Black Kurt Mike Fletcher and Kurt close it out. Yeah, that was some of the some of if not the best sets I've seen from each one. Oh, and Carla, Vasquez. great line. Carla as well. Carla as well. And it was yep. honestly such good lineups from everybody. And that's kind of why we wanted to do it that way first. We wanted to be like, this is Don't Tell, and this is how Albuquerque's going to rock it. Like yep. this is going to be what that looks like. This is going to look like this. And I'm not going to like say too much about what these Don't Tells are going to look like. Obviously, it's Don't Tell. We like to keep stuff hush hush in those areas. But we're definitely going to be opening up some arteries there to some other comedians, and we're going to let some other stuff happen there. So those are going to be really exciting shows. Always, we're going to keep that consistent. Well, Bravo. and and then at Dry Heat for yeah. the last two nights, That's right. you hosted for Shang Shang Wang. Just the the machine. That guy is a machine, dude. Yeah. He is so funny. Have you got a chance to see him yet? I haven't seen him live. Because he's been really popping in and working with Albuquerque, and he's really been kind of vibing with oh, us, wow. especially okay. particularly with Dry Heat. And dude is so funny. If anybody hasn't checked him out, he's got that uh, sweet and juicy special. That's on Netflix. Yeah, I've seen thing. the Netflix special. Dude, he yeah. is so funny. He's rocking. He's rocking new material. He's rocking old stuff. He's like switching it up. He's just a talent, man. So it's been so cool. Yeah, at Dry Heat, I got to rock with him. That was Monday and Tuesday night, and we just had a Total blast, man. It was just great shows, both of them. Awesome. So, in the interest of time, yeah, I want to talk about two things with you. Okay. Your own comedy journey. Right. And then Albuquerque as a whole. Okay. Yeah. I think those so, are two things I can easily speak yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my two things. So, where... So, why comedy? Why comedy? This, I mean, that's always, like, the question, right? Why comedy? But why not comedy, honestly? Like, why not? Like, it is yeah. the thing to be doing. Especially, like... I mean, comedy is making people laugh, at his, and that's what, it, that's what it is. It's making some people laugh. And I feel like I've always told my homies this, too. It's like if I'm going to be on my deathbed one day, we're sitting there, I want to look back and be like, well, I tried to make some people laugh. I feel like it's a good thing to have put my efforts into. I feel like, you know, it's positive. It's fun, too. And why not come? That's a good way to look at it. Yeah, I just I feel like why would I not want to spend so much of my time trying to figure out how to make people feel something good? That's it. That's, yeah. a good, that's a good way to look at it. And that extends directly to Albuquerque, too, because I feel like growing up in Albuquerque, you just see so much so much off stuff. Like, it's off. It's yeah. it, This city's off, in a way, a lot of the time. And so to kind of bring that around full circle and kind of, like, connect it to something else and, like, kind of, 
I don't know, connect that to something funny, I feel like. It's such an important thing to be doing for this town. Like, it is so important. You know more than anybody, especially you live in the valley right now, so you know more than anybody. <laughs> I'm telling you, this place is definitely, like, it's, 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 a, it's an aggressive place. It's a tense place sometimes. And I feel like, you know, comedy is an important way for us to come together and, you know, take that deep breath. It's an exhale. You know? No, I agree. Whole, yeah. Are you born and raised in Albuquerque? I'm born and raised in Albuquerque. I've been here since 1997. So yeah. I was born and raised. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm young, starting to do this comedy thing, Albuquerque, born and raised, and... You know, that's what it is. I just want to make my people laugh. I want to make these Albuquerque laugh. When did you first try comedy? You know, I tried it. I think it was like 2018. It was 2017, something like that. But I like to say, you know, we've been doing it since the womb, right? We've been doing it since, you know, we've been, we've been doing it. I like to say that I, uh, I, I made my, uh, my twin laugh in the womb before I ate him. That's how I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing this since 2017, 2018, around there. We're about five years in, so maybe more like 2018. That's about it. What did the comedy scene look like then? Different because I feel like and I've and this is only through just secondhand stories, yeah. right? Because pre-pandemic, I never went out. Mm -hmm. I never really went. I never went and partied very much. I never really went out and did a whole lot. Like right. you, if I ever went out somewhere, you probably see me in a movie theater. Like that was yeah. really the only shit yeah. that I did. Otherwise, no, I, I hung out with my friends or just kicked it by myself. Right? Kicked it. The podcast is sponsored by the amazing people over at Chop Chili Company. If you've been a listener to the podcast for a while, you know that I love these guys and their amazing chili. And right now they are running a special offer exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Go online to chopchiliCo.com and use code ONLYKINGS at checkout. And not only will you receive 25% off your entire order, you will also get a free cookbook based on Hatch Chili recipes free at checkout. Like I said, go to ChopChiliCo.com and use code ONLYKINGS at checkout. And not only will you receive 25% off your order, you will also get a free cookbook to go with your chili. They are also in stores across New Mexico at stores such as Albertsons, John Brooks, Lowe's, and a bunch more in cities such as Albuquerque, Santa Fe, Tucumcari, Las Vegas, Roswell, Riadoso, and even Hobbs, New Mexico. And for our listeners in El Paso, Texas, we are in your supermarkets as well. Like I said, go to ChopChiliCo.com, use code ONLYKINGS at checkout for 25% off and a free cookbook. Now back to the podcast. But after COVID, and I was like, oh shit, this almost came to a screeching halt permanently. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. go take advantage. And then starting the podcast, it became very imperative to go out and just put myself out there and meet new people. So that during that COVID time was really something that kind of got you to look inside, feel oh, inspired yeah. a little bit. I feel like that was a big time for comedy yeah. to shift in Albuquerque was when we were all sitting there looking inside. Like that was a big part of it. Because prior to that, me like stepping into comedy, like almost right before the pandemic, I was honestly like a year and a half, maybe two years in to comedy when that pandemic hit. I actually remember I had a headliner set, my first quote unquote headliner set, which was too early. I'm two years into comedy. I have no time. You know what I'm saying? Like I have nothing yeah. to talk about. I'm doing a headliner set at Red Velvet Underground. Have you heard about Red Velvet? Lo I've the local heard spot. of that. Yeah, that was my clubhouse. I was making that my club at the moment. I was there every night with my boy, you know, Jared Ostrom. We were yeah. doing shows and shows, quote unquote. I'm doing a headliner over there for one person. Hell yeah. <laughs> one entire person. And then I remember we leave that headliner Totally bailed on it. Did not have a good say. You know, it was whatever. Bombed for 15, 20 minutes. And then we get that message saying that we're shutting down. It was 
that next that it was right post headliner so it's me walking out of the club going hey maybe i can work on 20 minutes and then never 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 again will you you will never do that again that's, that's as close as you got because <laughs> everything shut down you just started tripping no one thinks that comedy is such an outdoor thing so you start thinking that i mean this is over right like what are we what are we to do now yeah. i mean i'm not one to write very good jokes you know so it's like what am i gonna go sit here and write bad jokes now for the next nine months that's it that's all that's all my life will become but i feel like that time really was like useful for a lot of us we kind of sat down looked inside i think a lot of people kind of decided you know what life's a little short let's make some people laugh let's do something fun here let's do something you love let's do something you love i'm telling you that's awesome so that's when you really found it was during that pandemic time that's when i found podcasting yeah 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 because a lot and and that's kind of the bridge that i took to comedy right now podcasting into comedy yeah because it's all so like entertainment in general, mm -hmm. right, is just also like arbitrary. You yeah. can't really touch it until you're in it. But right. it's like, how do you get in it? How do you oh do my it? God, right, right. And then especially here in Albuquerque, and that's why I asked why I started this with why comedy because like I feel like Albuquerque, it's it's a big city, but it's a small town mindset, right? right? It's right. you go, you go to school, you either go into the military, into the trades, or college. These right. are your three routes. Those are the routes, right? right. And then. Um, or unless you fucking get your, your girl pregnant real early on, then you got to figure that out. And still it might just be trades or the military. I was going to say, so there was trades, military or cocaine for me. Those were, <laughs> there was a third alternative. I, I, I shoveled that one in there real quick. Cause I mean, ultimately I almost feel like cocaine was probably the most, the most like pushing me towards comedy thing that was existing. For being honest, drugs are a very like exciting thing about comedy. I feel like yeah. and it was for me, at least I was yeah. like, this is something I can do. I can party. I can figure something out. I can kind of join join this community here. There's a community full of people. When there. did you get sober? Oh, so I'm about a year in now. Like good for a, you. Like a good year in now. But, but there's been like times when I was trying to do it. I want to say like 2021, I was trying to attempt it for the first time. Yeah. And it just fell apart in my lap all the way. It did not work out. And like, you know, you know, the first time you try to get sober, it ends with about five, eight balls. That's usually <laughs> how that goes. It ends with a handful of cocaine. <laughs> so it went for me. And then this last one, though, I've been sober since December. Good for December. you. So man. I'm hitting it. I'm about to hit that one year. I think I'm gonna do another year too. I want to do another year. I liked it. I like. Yeah. I'm liking it a lot. I'm really liking it. Well, I feel like because I mean I know nothing about the lifestyle right. of comedy. I know about it secondhand through stories, whether it's something I hear one on one, or like all these podcasts and you know, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But it's so ingrained in the lifestyle. But then at the second time, it's also something that's so detrimental to the like the growth. You know what I mean? Like the work ethic. Like, right. You know, what, you know what I'm trying to say? No, definitely. Like it, it, definitely. When used improperly, it can be a hindrance. 100%. But then at the same time, there are people that they have a couple of drinks, have have a joint or two, maybe take a little bit of mushrooms. They come up with amazing material. Oh, it's so true. And there are so many comics that I think are just so funny that can drink. Like they yeah. can handle that. Like, I mean, I think a trip still Nicky, that's like, that's like a, he's a, well, he's a, you know, he's not 100% sober dude up, you know, up there all the time. You know what I'm saying? Very fucking funny though. Can drink. I look up to that kind of dude. Can't do that yet. We're not there. That's not it. I'm one drink in and it's immediately where's the cocaine. It's yeah. the second it hits. So it's something that don't mix well for me with it. And you had to learn that the hard way, I feel like. I was going to say, how do you, over the course of the last year, mm. I mean, every open mic is at a place that serves booze. Yeah. And then if you're staying late at 
dry heat. Yeah. You get out of dry heat probably around like 10, 30, 11 ish. Right. Central's right there. Right. You could stick around for a few hours. So, mm-hmm. how are you managing like urges? How are you managing thought processes? You know, I'm really glad we're talking about that. I think this is something that does not get talked about enough in comedy because there is a pressure that once you're kind of in this community, you got to really dive into this community and you need to be as available for it as you can. At least that's a pressure I really felt. Like, I started comedy and you start getting people telling you, oh, you're funny. Like, oh, that you could do something here. You want to impress those people. And it becomes less about what you're doing in comedy and more about what they and them are doing in comedy. And that is a factor of it is that you're doing this at bars all the time. Doing this at bars and you're doing this with people that have pills on them, with people that have cocaine, with people that have these things that are really going to inhibit the worst parts of yourself. So learning how to navigate that is something I'm really trying to push on this newer like group of open micers, this newer group of comics, because that's something that was really hard for me to learn. Like I had to really separate people from myself for a while. I had to take a lot of time to myself and really learn how to get myself home after my set. That kind of stuff was really difficult for me, but that's stuff you really have to learn. What, what are you prioritizing? And it comes down to what are you doing this for, right? Like, are you doing this? Because I think there is a lot of people that are doing this because they want that party. They want that social aspect of this. I think there are other people like myself that I think are wanting to figure out funny and they want to figure out how to make people laugh and they want to really work at the craft and mixing those two things can be really dangerous and it's really hard not to do when you're starting out. It's the only thing is that like I feel like there's not a lot of like great advice other than you need to take that patience and that time to yourself kind of look within a little bit and you need to kind of separate from some of those toxic people in this thing because it's a low bar to entry and a lot of people have a lot of shit. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. this is very true. It's Did, very true. So talking about looking inward did you did you see yourself going down the road of oh shit maybe like hey because in the very small time i've been going to open mics the first thing that i've learned it was a very easy lesson that open mics typically are a fun hang right it is just a fun hang you have a couple of drinks you go up and bomb your buddy goes up and bomb exactly you laugh to each other about how you fucking suck but then Mm -hmm. you watch everyone else bomb the two to three guys do really well we're smoking in the back the whole time everyone's it's it's a party and it's a tuesday exactly (laughs) the issue and that's a hard thing to struggle with because if you're sitting there you're 19 years old like myself and you just want to find some community you're also very vulnerable and you're like in bad places maybe socially with everyone else in your life you're going to come to this thing and you're going to find a bunch of people that are doing some stuff that maybe might send you down those roads you know what i mean like it'll be that monday night and you're sitting it would be monday night and i'd be 6 a.m and it'd be actually tuesday morning like monday night would be a tuesday morning for us and yeah it was just too much and so you have to really figure out these boundaries something that comedy can be really beautiful at though it's almost like you go to college in a way right you go to college you learn how to navigate those social aspects in your life you start going to open mics you might learn how to navigate a couple things yes so again looking inward did you find yourself kind of you love comedy, but then the hang becomes so fun, uh, spending time with all these people in a good environment, well, a lively environment, let's put it that way. Mm. Did you find yourself kind of getting more attached to the party aspect of it than the actual comedy oh, aspect dude, of it? yeah. I feel like I really lost myself there, especially with the pandemic. So what we were really getting into was what we were calling the garage. Have you heard anything about the local here, garage? Here and scene? there, yeah. But yeah, it's, it was basically our little party house that we opened up during that covid and that shit really took my soul, I feel like, for a little while there. I was losing jobs, couldn't hold nothing, started losing family. Like, the substance got really out of control, and the material was not coming. Like, oh, it's shit. not, it wasn't, it's not me. Because you want to tell yourself, it's like, oh, I'm going to go on this bender. Maybe I'll get some writing out of that. Does not happen. You don't, yeah. you know, you don't fill the notebook the way you think you do when you're on that many A-balls, when you're on that many pills, when you're on stu- substances. You're just not doing what you think you're doing. 
it's just not it. And so, I mean, that's really it too. And like during that pandemic, I feel like I just lost myself totally, honestly. There was a whole lot of that. And it was maybe a year or two where I was sitting there not really doing much comedically, getting on stage, but really just partying, really getting on stage just to validate that I did the stage time so that I can go party with my comics. I did my five to ten minutes. Now it's time exactly. to get my reward for exactly. work. I may or may not have put in. Mm-hmm, 100%, right. 100%. And, you know, and, and I think that's stuff I'm still shedding a little bit, too. It's like I'm almost relearning how to work in comedy again, like after all that such a wild experience it's like i started comedy and it was just this awesome fun thing i'm meeting all these cool people people that i connect with smart funny people and that validates it too you're sitting there partying with smart and funny people you want to keep doing that you want to continue there's no breaks on that thing i think i just barreled into this place where i didn't think i was even going to continue to do comedy maybe just start doing cocaine and heroin more that's really it just doing real shit. shit and it's not it that's really just not it and so, I mean, I'm glad I was able to back up a little bit from that. But, I mean, you lose yourself in that stuff, man. You got to stay grounded. You're very self-aware. Yeah, I'm getting there. You are very <laughs> we're, self-aware. We're getting there. Is That's that it. a skill you've had to work on? Is that, a, is that a very, like, conscious thing where it's like, hey, I need to be more self-accountable. I need to really take, uh, take note of my day-to-day actions, big and small. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's maybe me just growing up a little bit out here, too, because I started comedy at 20 years old. Like, I was young. I wasn't really, like, on to anything like that. I didn't really know who I was in any aspect. I'm still really figuring that out. But I think doing something like comedy, you're on stage all the time. I'm recording myself constantly. I feel like I'm checking myself constantly, constantly looking at what I'm doing. So, I mean, there's a self-awareness that comes out of that. There's also some ego that comes out of that, too, though. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. It's like, a, it's like a yin and a yang, you know, the self-awareness. But almost me becoming self-aware of myself, I start becoming self-aware of those flaws, too. You start seeing all of it. So We'll talk about ego. I mean, doing open mics, that is a exercise in humility. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> That's why I haven't been to a mic in a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely an exercise in humility. You humble yourself with those things. Have you been enjoying that part of the process? What do you think about that? Like that's the aside from the fact that I'm not a very good writer yet. Right. The issue I'm running into is that I don't mind bombing that much. Yeah. And I think the reason is because I love the fact that more than half the crowd at these open mics are other comics. Right. So they are expecting me to bomb. Right. Me bombing, hoping. Right. Right. <laughs> so kind of rooting for that. <laughs> like, like me bombing is yeah. not news to them. Mm-hmm. Right. Me doing well, there's only a net positive there. Right. Right. But then, like, because I did, because uh, Amory Castillo, she had put me on. Uh, Was it the 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 three o the three seven seven three seven seven? That's it. I did two shows with her there. Mm-hmm. The first one I think went pretty okay. Okay, I was yeah. pretty, I was pretty happy with that. That was my first, but like I'd done an open mic and then that. Yeah. So that one I felt went really, you know, for like relative to my experience. Overall, I'd say I give like a C plus. Yeah. But okay. for a new timer, that's like a month in. I take I take that as a win. Hey. Yeah. But then we're taking that. Yeah. But then the second time, I fucking bombed hard. Now that's the thing. <laughs> I bombed so bad, and I and now granted, I didn't feel too bad in the sense of okay these people well both times they didn't pay to show up it was a free show yeah so i didn't feel bad about that but mm-hmm. then at the same time it was like well it was a show like people had to go to a separate part of the brewery to watch right, it they're there right. with the intent to laugh no yeah and yeah. then you know 
she had enough confidence in me in the first show that she wanted me back for a second. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what, like, like I was not a fun person to be around after that second show. Yeah. And I, I was not a fun person to be around. And that is just so real. That You're going to carry that. I still feel that, like, <laughs> constantly. And the pressure doesn't go away, I'm noticing with that. like Because the, there's always going to be the opportunity for, for us to be incredibly humbled. I feel like a comedian's ego is only valid as long as like long as their good show streak is going right yes. that's about as valid as it is so in my case it's about a one-to-one like it's a <laughs> we'll have a good show bad good show bad. it's like that but i feel that same way and like especially performing at the club and stuff too like you feel that kind of pressure all the time i'm like so glad pain. that dry heat is here mm. yeah oh dude i'm and i and the number one reason i'll be honest the yeah. number one reason i'm glad they're here and that it's happening is the setup of the club right i love that so much it's mint it's would mint. it be sick if you could just knock down that ice cream shop next door and then My just God, build, it, oh. build 50 more seats sure that'd be sick a little soundproofing wouldn't hurt on that barbershop next door <laughs> about that but we are but killing yeah. it though i think but so like it's a the, good vibe it's magic right like, i think the space between the first row seat yeah and the stage is the about the width of this table. It's about about that. Yeah. You know what that. I mean? It is, you are right fucking there. Splash zone. Yeah. And you're so right there. there's no there's no like facade. Right. It's, it's just make me laugh. Well, yeah. And that's kind of really the intention of it. And Sarah and Kelly, we got to give major shout out to in the design of it. But they've done so much traveling around and like seeing of some of these smaller clubs and what, what that kind of small little black club looks like. And, and where we have it right now, I, I mean, I, I'm in love with it. We got that 50-person yeah. seating. It's small. It's tight. It's compact. It's intimate. And you feel like you're involved the entire time. That's yes. what I love about Dry Heat for sure. Yes. It's definitely a magic room. Have you had the opportunity to hop on any of those yet? Are you, no. Because uh, no. were you doing the Echoes mic prior, when it, before it was Echoes, when it was the Dry Heat mic? Uh, yeah. So I did Echoes for the first. I did Echoes open mic when it's been Dry Heat. Okay. Yeah. With, yeah you did it before it was the Echoes then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm I'm confused. Because so it was dry, it was at Dry Heat, and then they moved it to Echoes. Oh no! Did you get a chance? I, oh to no! Do I it never did it dry, dry Heat. I've okay, only done heard. it at Echoes. Got only. you, got yeah. you. It's an amazing, awesome stage. We're gonna have to figure out a way to slot like, you in on something <laughs> there for the show, man. Like I've I've only gone up on that stage yeah. during the Sunday writing shows, mm. and I remember the first time I did that, Steph was teaching the class, and it was on heckling, and I stepped up there, and I didn't realize how close you were to the audience no, until yeah. I got up there. There's only like 10 people in that class. Love that aspect of it, though, too, because it's awesome. The way, if you have 10 people, you feel like you have a very intimate room. You feel like you have a great sold-out show, like 10 people in that crowd. And if they're in that front, they're in that pocket, you can just enjoy that show. You can mm -hmm. be rocking with people. But just then also, though, i got to say, those yeah. empty seats are a little intimidating. A little bit. A little bit. They're why. not invisible. That's what I hate about that, is that you very <laughs> much see them. You're like, oh, I can tell. There's no, okay, my parents aren't here. That's cool. Oh, my girl that I invited in here. That's good to know. You can just get your whole get your whole chick. I got Tinder matches for uh, this specific yeah. reason. Where the fuck <laughs> are it. they? And you can just see the emptiness of it. That's it. So, I mean, you know, but that that's going to be an aspect of it, I feel like. It's definitely a good club, though, man. It's good. It's good to be having yeah. a spot like that here. We're trying to build forward, and I feel like that's a good step. Well, and like. speaking about heckling, dude, you are you're a great host. Thank you. And you're like... A very unassuming host, which adds to your your comedy. I like that. Like you just walk up there and you're like, "Hey!" and then com just comedy. Love that. Comedy falls out. Yes, it's Love fucking that. great. No, to I watch. mean that's fucking dude. That, then, that means that means whole whole lot. But mm -hmm. then yeah. I think it's because of your uh, 
like the way you carry yourself, your mannerisms, you're very unassuming. Right. That, I think, gave a lot of false confidence that fucking heckler don't tell. Oh, that can happen. And oh, my gosh. You, yeah, yeah. Dude, the way you handled that, mm. I, I don't think, like, again, for the way that you deliver your comedy, I don't think you could have handled it better. I do appreciate that. That I was, because fi- even me and my buddies, because uh, we were in the fourth rows. We were literally right behind the fucker. Right, right. Oh, you were right, right oh, dude, behind yeah. him. Oh, that's amazing. And, uh, like, I was afraid. There's my buddy that was on my far, on the far left, right behind him. I thought he was gonna smack him upside his head. <laughs> I because I kept looking over and he was like getting like visibly frustrated. This fuck. Oh, it was about to be hands. Oh, right? I, I thought it was about to. Hey, shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? <laughs> but dude, yeah, the way that you were handling that, even like God, there were, you. I think like three or four comics in, you had a line. And it was like, uh, I need everyone in here except for the third row to give a round of applause. <laughs> it's like, yes. See, and it's about Fuck that. this and guy. You know, that that took some time to get that kind of comfortability, the confidence to just jump into the crowd and stuff yeah. and do all that. But, I mean, hosting is my baby. It is my child, man. I love doing it. I feel like it's such a great way for me to get my reps, for me to set that show up for some success. And I just love doing it, man. It's a good thing to be doing. And if you're starting in stand-up, it's a really good way to get some momentum if you're if you really want to start running some shows start hosting some shows really make yourself available for that because people want that for sure is it conventional for a host to do a set you know yeah yeah usually a host is going to start with about 10 minutes they're going to do a form of a set and i like to consider my hosting set a lot different from what you're going to see me do as a feature or a headliner it's very different vibe for sure you've seen it a few times it's incredibly localized and it's very like like we're we're vibing it's in the moment we're kind of Kind of crowd work. That's a right. Bit. I saw you host. I take another time. I saw you host was it Zach Abeda's the last one he that's did right. in like October. Or some yeah, shit. yeah, yeah. I think I think you saw yeah. Zach Abeda's. That's right. And so yeah, so so you have your host set, and you kind of have a set of kind of jokes that you want to do in a certain kind of hosting style. It's just like if you're featuring or middling, you, middling necessarily. You don't want to be doing too much crowd work or something like that. There's certain little things that you can kind of clip into your host set, basically little 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 pieces that you can throw in there. But you're gonna do about ten minutes at the beginning. It's a good amount of okay. time to get that. That crowd kind of opened up. You're the one teaching them how to laugh. If you're hosting, you got to teach them what they're about to see. You're the intro scene. You're that first setup. You're setting up some atmosphere. So you want to do a few minutes generally. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was going to say, how important is it for the host? I think a lot. this is lost on a lot of people. Yeah. How important is it for the host to do, I'm not going to say like murder, but extremely well to set the room up properly? And how, right. how important is that? And then what are techniques i guess you use to set the room up properly so for me if i'm hosting it is crucial i need to set that show up with a high energy i want to set it up where it is up here the laughs are up here and people are are, because i want that first introduction to be like this is how big you can laugh during this show I feel like if I'm teaching y'all how to laugh, I want to teach y'all also how much you can laugh. How, what should that look like? And I want that to be kind of explosive so that we have opportunity throughout this show to hit those marks every now and again. I want some of these comics to walk off that stage with the same high energy kind of, oh my God, we exploded a little bit tonight. We kind of, that was a firework in that room. That's what I'm going for every time I host. Now, there is different hosting styles. There are people that host totally different ways. You've seen Chuck Parker host his open mic, for example. The dude's doing a very vastly different style of hosting than myself. 
equally as successful in certain aspects. Like it's totally a way to do it. I think for myself though, Tyler Lovely's gonna bring you some heat, some fire. I'm gonna get this thing cooking a little bit. I like to turn that skillet on, you know. So I gotta keep it kind of hot. And I think it's important you explode a little bit into that intro. It's kind of like like they say a good album needs to start with a banger and end with a banger. I kind of believe that in the same way. Our headliner, if he's gonna kill it, let me kill it too up top. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. Mm-hmm. Albuquerque is an interesting town for comedy. Yeah. I'm finding that. Oh, 100%. Because uh, I started going to comedy shows when they first came available after the pandemic. Right. And because I didn't even know we had comedy, to be honest. Yeah. I did not even know we had that. Mm. And so, like, a lot a lot like the music scene here, comedy is really starting to explode and yeah. grow. Yeah. Um, like, I know we're getting, uh, oh, what the fuck is it called? I'm losing. Uh, the dude from Breaking Bad is making a fucking thing. Yeah, Casadas. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Cantina thing, right? Yeah, Casadas Cantina. Casadas yep. Cantina in Santa Ana. Mm-hmm. So, I, and I looked at the lineup for that. That's coming, and that's fucking cool. It's incredible. Like, yeah, he's whole, got some real awesome comics rolling through that. Yeah. Like, holy fuck. Yep. I never I never thought that someone like Ali Mikowski yeah. was going to come to Albuquerque. It's I think she's fucking it's, hilarious. It's insane. Craig Canance on that list, too. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some awesome heads coming in that thing, man. Too. So seeing stuff like that is awesome. But again, like that wasn't probably even a thought in any of the comics had two years ago. And that's the thing. Yeah, it just you know wasn't. I mean? And so I remember going out to different comedy shows, and I, I know what my sense of humor is. Right. I'm I I'm unapologetic about it. I like what I like. Right. right? But right. what I like is very at odds with what some Albuquerque likes. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know what I mean. Heard. Yeah. And so when you are going around in different rooms, doing different mics, whether you're trying out new jokes, whether you're hosting a show, a mm. feature, whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. In your time of doing comedy here in Albuquerque, how are you gauging the room and how are you choosing your set? Because I'd imagine at this point you got a bit of a toolbox. It's like, okay, the raunchy stuff probably is not going to work here. The more political stuff is not going to work here. Right. And see, that's well, that's where coming in, like, or being a local comes in real handy. Like, being from around here. Like, I know if I'm at the Pericos in the South Valley, whatever, I can rip. I, those cats aren't going to trip was, on so, I anything. went to that show, like, last week, two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, you went to, I didn't get to hit that one. Uh, but, Anthony hey, A would do yeah, it. That yeah, was yeah. such a fun fucking show. Man, I'm telling you, and I love that he does it at the Pericos, man. It's such a cool spot to hit. But it's like, if I'm, but if I'm in the South Valley, I'm at the taco place over there. I know I can bang. If I'm at dry heat, I kind of know my limitations, but we're also in downtown Albuquerque. I kind of know what people are expecting to hear me conversate about in downtown Albuquerque. Kind of just comes from conversation. I feel like the best comedy and the best hosting, honestly, it just feels very conversational. It feels like what you're experiencing is what you would experience if you were just chatting with that dude with a cigarette by the bus stop. You know what I mean? Like, I think that, like, that feeling is what really makes it feel, I guess, a little more real, right? And so that's where, like, just being from Albuquerque comes in handy in those situations. But it doesn't carry when I'm doing out-of-town shows necessarily. You have to do a lot more reading, a lot more looking into stuff. And that's stuff I feel like I'm still learning, man. It's like you, you learn how to kind of talk to conservative folk. You learn how to talk to, like, a little more left-wing folk. You know what I mean? And you just kind of learn your people. And that's really what you're going for. You know what neighborhood you're in. You know you know where right. you're at. That's what I feel. That's like. an interesting way of looking at it. Right, making right. It more conversational. Right. Like it's like it's and it's like you know what kind of blue collar jokes work with the boys. Like when you're when you're you live with two servicemen. You know what kind of material you're able to work on these kinds of people. And that's where comedy gets really cool though, because then it feels like reading the room just becomes more like reading like all of this, right? Like what are where am I? Who is this? Like what's going on right now? what makes comedy so cool to me that i think that people are really digging that a lot now too like people are loving crowd work stuff right now they love that in the moment like 
very real feel kind of comedy right now. I don't think people are really as sold on material these days necessarily. So when it comes to prepping my jokes, I try to prep them just what, who, what, when, where, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what's going on right here, right now, Learn, learning that room particularly. And I feel like that's just experience, just talking to folks. Right? Is that more of a net positive or a negative right now that so many people go to a comedy show and want crowd work? You know, I'm agree. finding this to be a positive. I'm t- thinking this is a positive. But that's because my style of comedy is very, like, I can do my crowd work. You want to talk about that weird t-shirt you got on? I'll do that. We'll go there. Like, oh, you got that funny hat. Let's bring that up. This kind of stuff is no problem for me. I, I enjoy that a lot. And I think people really feeling that. So for me, it comes to be a positive. But at the same time, it's like maybe the quality of the material might be taking a detriment to that right now. Right? Like, yeah. that definitely might be something that we're seeing a downslope of, you know, the... The the uh, that's the general writing. Like, are people writing as much these days, or are they more going and hitting these mics and hitting that crowd work? You know, exactly, that's kind of the thing. Well, and, and again, I've, styles are very different. Abilities right. are are garnered very, in a lot of different ways. But unless you're born with that muscle in your brain, that can just bang, 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 rip. Right. You know, make fun of this, point that out. You're right. Just doing that kind of stuff. I feel like the that muscle is worked out best when you are able to write material and you are able to execute what you have planned out. Mm. Cause I, cause even like in the short time that I've done this, I've noticed that the few decent things that I have written it, it I've, it's never delivered the same twice. And then even if I try to make it as identical as possible, it's going to get changed in the moment or things happen or whatever it is. Like people call out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. And having to alter it to play off that and then come back to where you're at, I think a lot of that boils down to writing. And I think a good case example of that, frankly, is Matt Reif right now. Like his, in my opinion, his newer special is not as good as the second one he put out on YouTube, the right. Matthew Stephen Reif one. Right. Because I think that one is a perfect mix of amazing written material he has, and then he knows his audience so well that he can just ricochet it off his audience. And right, and that's the most ideal comic, right, is the one that is using his material as kind of segues in between these yeah. crowd work, but he's kind of like feely in the moment. You know, I heard a really good analogy on one of these podcasts, and it was, it was that your material is your life raft. And, and the crowd work is your just ability to swim while you're in the sea. You're just swimming, and your material is that raft. You want to have that with you. You don't want to just be open sea out there. You want to have that raft. You can kind of navigate, but you want to be able to be swimming. You want right. to know how to swim. Because Lord forbid, I mean, fuck the, what was it? There was the second, yeah, the second show that I did, uh, there was a guy in the front that was actually like making funny comments yeah. and I really hated the fact that I was in the moment. Yeah. I hated the fact that I was doing this show um two months, two and a half months into doing yeah. comedy Yeah, because I wish I had more experience to be able to be able to play off that better. Oh, I've been there though too you know where you I mean? feel that crowd work and you're like, I know I could say something about this dude. I don't know what that yeah. is yet, but this, <laughs> it's going to come to me in the parking lot. Just you wait. As <laughs> soon as I get home, it's coming to me. I, I, put that, I put that. It's like when you're in the shower. I should have said this exactly. during the argument. If 100%. Ah. You're like, hey, just you wait tomorrow morning. I'm going to be eating breakfast. It's coming right to me. Just you wait. Just you wait. It's every time too. And I've been in that 
situation too. But that is the thing because it is such a fun thing to be able to use. It's like the uh, Don't Tell show, I think it was, where Carla had an Amber Alert go off oh during my God. her set. Yeah. That is a fruitful moment for so many comedians to just be. <laughs> oh, that is a that is a that is candy. That is yeah. you know what I mean. Like that is perfect. That like, is, thank you for the free three minutes of material. I was saying that is thank a you. free five at least. Yeah. So that is a, a free five. If you're Jake Otero and an Amber Alert goes off, that's at least fifteen. You got twenty five. You might have a good thirty. I'm telling you. So it's it's and it's having that ability. I find just so handy too. Is the thing. It's like I do support the crowd work movement that I feel like is going on right now. If it's benefiting, if it's in a, if it's in maybe a good, a good like intention, right? I don't necessarily need to watch no one's crowd work special. I don't right. Need to see thirty minutes of you just swimming around in the room, you know. But if you got right. great moments, I'll click some clips, you know. Right, and that's why the rise of TikTok with comedy coming together. Oh man, that's just exploded. Everything. It's exploded, and it's making this thing difficult. Is <laughs> what it is doing. The TikTok is 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 drowning me. I am so struggling on to understand oh, okay. just like what is going on I with see. this. Like how to use it? How to how to use yeah. it? What is? Where is it going? Is this gonna be something that lasts? I'm trying to figure this out before i jump into that but it's it's that's a whole new it's a whole new skill set that i think comedians are having to learn well, it's with definitely that. gonna last social media is never going away it's TikTok's not never it's going not it's, it will literally take an act of congress to get tiktok out of america it's very right? true like it's, it's not going anywhere but what i will say like, i don't know shit about marketing i don't know shit about social media management or anything like that mm-hmm. i i am learning out on a daily basis, how to do social media properly. Right. You know what and, I mean? and I'm still so figuring out what, like, I, I know nothing of this. I have less than a thousand followers on my thing yeah. still, which is driving me crazy. <laughs> We're <laughs> almost there. I'll get close and then all my bots unfollow. That's how it goes. <laughs> we get right there and then just. Right back down to that Ahano. So we're working on that. But I'm struggling to figure it out too, though, man. It's just a trip. And what, what concerns me is comics getting gigs off of direct followings and stuff like that. It's a concern to me. I don't know if it's a valid one or not yet, though. I, again, I'm inexperienced, but I wouldn't be as worried about it as a lot of people are just because. So, like, okay. So people get worried, and I see a lot of this online where it's like, well, comedy's becoming oversaturated. There's too many. There's too many people trying comedy. There's too many many people having podcasts. Obviously, I'm very biased. So this is I, I'm gonna admit that right out the <laughs> front. Much. We're both pretty biased yeah, in this area for sure. But I understand the worry. Right. But if you look at it as a whole, there's a reason why the best comics, your probably your favorite comics. There's a reason they're in their mid-30s to their 40s. Right. Because they've been doing it for 10 to 15 years. Right. And I think what a big piece that people were missing was like things are coming saturated, whatever, is that even like back in the 80s and the 90s, it seems that the lifespan of a comic until they really made it, whatever that looks like of making it, is um, still 8, 10, 12 years. To really get a break and do something, right? Right. So, in my opinion, because of the rise of social media and that being directly linked to just absolutely trashed dopamine systems and trashed attention spans and the willingness to commit to something. Right. I think that... Because obviously comedy is going through a boom right now. And that boom is not going to close down anytime soon. I don't think so. But... I don't think... And I might be a part of this crowd. Who the fuck knows? Mm. I don't know what the future is. But... I don't think that a lot of the people that are doing comedy right now, whether they're three months in or three years in, five years in, right? 
I don't think a lot of them are going to stick with it. Because mm-hmm. from my point of view, if Albuquerque venues can open up the doors the way they have been to at least open mics, right? you could only imagine what's going on in places like Austin, Nashville, Chicago, New York, oh, L.A., all of Florida. Oh, man. All of Florida is just entertainment right now. Oh, I'm telling right? you. Like, for instance, last night, uh, I came across this page on Instagram. It was like Austin Comedy or something like that. So I followed it, and they posted. And it was on Monday. And they had posted about their open mics that they were holding on Monday. Right. In one night, and this is not even touching the mothership. Right. In one night in Austin, you can go do six spots. Gosh. Back to back to back to back to back to back. That's insane. Right? That's insane. So... If you're able to, and, and that's that's something you would only hear about in New York or L.A. Right. Right? So if that is how the bigger cities are handling it, it seems to me that venues are at least, they're acknowledging that, okay, comedy's popping right now. Everyone loves it. Let's toast an open mic. What's the worst case scenario? We get 25% more booze sales two weeks in a row and then we decide not to do it anymore. We'll right. still make our nut. Yeah. Whatever, right? Yeah. So. Venues are stepping up, right? People are, or uh, yeah, business owners are stepping up. Venues are stepping up because they know that this is going to bring in more liquor sales, going to bring more ticket sales, whatever it's going to be. Right. Because again, one thing that I've learned in the last month or so is that not every open mic in these major cities is free. Mm. There's bringer shows. Yep. There's ticket open mics. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like so. To wrap this all together, I really think that. Yes, there's a lot of people doing it, and I think it's a net positive right now because it's going to bring the popularity. But over time, it's going to bring out some of the best comedians people have ever seen. It's really true. Because those people weathered the boom. Right. They're like, yeah, I did it when it was popular and it was fun to do open mics and I'm still doing it now that not a lot of people you know give what? a fuck about I fuck about with it. that very heavy, actually. You know what I mean? I totally see what you mean. If you ride out the storm of this confusing wave of this boom right now, it's yeah. confusing. You can get someone blowing up for X, Y, and Z reasons. There's going to be a way to kind of muddle through that, you're saying. And the people that really stuck it through and, you know, put their time in, you know, did the work and really stuck it out. Because the thing is that I feel like comedy is supposed to take a long time. I want it to. I I have a nightmare about having any kind of, like, following that I can't, like, hold up whatsoever. Do you know what I mean? Like, if I have... For real. If I had these followers, it's like, I don't have the time for y'all. I don't got material for y'all. Right. Let's say you have one joke. That yeah. goes fucking massive. Exactly. You get like 50,000 followers. Exactly. Bunch of like, you get like 11 million views. Yeah, like, what do I do like, with that? Hey, Tyler Lovely, we love that bit. Uh, we'd love for you to feature. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, what do you got? Okay, uh, we'll see you in a week. Plan for 20 to 25 minutes. I so, and I'm like over here like, man, I mean, we could do it, <laughs> but. It's like promising a girl you got a solid six and you got yeah, three Yeah, I'm like, all right, let me talk about 12 days of Christmas real quick. Bang out a couple minutes there. That's it. But like, nah, man. I just, the thing is, like, it's kind of a nightmare to me is having that following. I can't meet up to it yet. I want this to take some time. I want to be able to be like kind yeah. of seasoned in this thing when I have whatever whatever breaking sort of thing is, right? Like you want to have your material, you want to have studied and practiced your thing. It just makes it very like, like I guess, paranoid inducing to be working under like the pressure of TikTok accounts. You got these numbers in front of you constantly and this yeah. thing just cycling. But as long as you're able to separate yourself from that and work on your craft, I feel like you'll I function. was going to say it's, it's very corny, but it's I think that falls under the category of, you know, Worry about the things that you can control and everything yeah. that you can't let it go. Because, I mean, sure, 
there's one way to look at it where it's like everyone's a competition with everyone because at the end of the day, they kind of are. Right. But then on the other hand, maybe this is... Because I tend to be more of a realist, but maybe this is more of the optimistic side of me. Yeah. I'd like to think that if you just... You don't have to be friends with everybody, but if you just are professional, you treat people well, and you're a good person generally. No one's perfect, but Mm -hmm. if you're a good person generally... People recognize that you can be that you're a hard worker, and most importantly, that you're funny, mm-hmm. or at least improving. You're funnier than you were last week. You're funnier than you were last week, right? Yeah. That a high a high tide raises all ships, right? Dude, yeah. So if yeah. you're going into and you've got the right intentions with it, you're not going just to oh yeah I'm gonna have I'm gonna go I'm doing this comedy thing so I can party so I can like try to sleep with people or be like yeah I'm a fucking comedy do you want you know that type of bullshit right mm-hmm. and it's like no you go into it with the right intentions you treat people well and again you're funny and hard working yeah and, and through that I think naturally and I've, I've found a very small microcosm of that doing the podcast because I just like talking to cool people you know what I mean and thank God one way or another, people are picking up on that because mm-hmm. this podcast will not be alive without guests. Mm-hmm. It just, I can't be like one of my favorite comics that does it is Bill Burr with right. his Monday morning podcast. The man. He's the guy that can fucking sit there and just rant for an hour. It's just Blows him, and his, my mind. him and his producer. Blows my mind. I can't believe it. How is it entertaining? Blows it's, my mind. It's insane. Right. But I'm not <laughs> that, I'm not that guy. Right. So, and then on the other hand, too, I don't want to be that guy. I like talking to people. Mm-hmm. So, because of that, the pod still goes. I yeah. still get gas, and I am able to network very. And again, I feel like the most blessed fucking man on the planet. So extrapolating that, applying it to comedy, yeah, this person might get more views than you, and then get a bigger show, or right. they might go do this, they might go do that. But guess what, man? First of all, don't you want to be friends with talented people? Yeah. Don't you want yeah. to be friends with awesome people? Okay. A, B. If you're friends with awesome people, friends that have friends that are trying to do the same thing they're doing. Hey, I'm headlining this show. You want to come feature for me? Do you want to come open for me? You get taped. It's like, what? You think I'm only a feature? You think I'm only an act? You or you're like, yeah, bro, thank you. Yeah, it's true. It like, do you true. think that fucking people like Eric Griffin or Adam Ray are really bitching that they're features for Matt Rife? Yeah, nah. No, they're like the kid is talented. He's put in over twelve years of work. Yeah, he's and they're and he's putting me in front of huge crowds. Hundred and they're ta- they know. You know why they're not fucking concerned and they're not like insecure. Because they know they're talented. Yes. They're like, okay, cool. He just happened to hit the river and drink the water before I did. God, I'm going to come drink too. Yeah. Hell yeah. And that is the thing, man. Okay, this is the thing. Y'all see me fall in love with Noah right now? This dude is <laughs> spitting facts right now. This is... Because you are on to something serious. Like, being able to shed that, that comparison, the they aspect, they are doing this, them. Yeah. Being able to shed that, I feel like... Very conducive to comedy. If you can operate without that, I feel like it's well, very conducive. I mean, I see the. I mean, I I just see it online. Yeah, people get so concerned, oh, and it's true. like, why are you gonna stress yourself out about that? Because a, you're wasting mental space, right? And then b, you're never going to beat everyone. It's true. Everyone is too many. You're gonna get swallowed up. But no, I can be Jack Harlow if I try hard enough. If I just, if it just, if I scroll five more reels, I could be Jack Harlow. We don't know. Like, what if it happens? That's it. You know what it's I mean? Like, it's hundred nah, percent. And then it's like, talk about because obviously I'm I'm finding now that right. time management is so crucial to comedy okay. that yeah. like you could spend your time freaking out. 
Yeah. And comparing yourself to, oh, how many followers do they have? How many followers do I have? How many views? Or you could just sit down and get better at what you want to do. It's true, man. Sit down it and get true. better. And my guy, if you're listening to this right now, just get a notepad out because that's really it. Just work on your stuff. That's really all yeah. you can do is stay in your lane with it. Especially in this world, though, with, to, I guess, to bring it back to that social stuff. It's, a, yeah, I don't know. It's just very difficult to, I guess, kind of kind of make that decision sometimes right like you're scrolling you see this comparison it's almost like a comparison box comparing to everybody there's a lot of competition out there with it but you're right about that man you just keep your head down and work on it i think that's what i'm trying to really get back into is kind of working on that right when did it hit you that like you are actually funny Um, i don't know if that's hit me yet is that gonna hit me is that something that hits you is that is that something like i fucking hope so because i hope so i'd love for that to hit me that'd be fantastic uh, you know, okay. I don't know. It's, Let's rephrase that. Yeah, right. right. How, when did you, when did it hit you? When did it really come to light for you that this is something that you can pursue long term? See, that was something that happened to me definitely around like that. Yeah, that 2018 time, right? Like you start doing that thing. I guess long term though, no, that's something that kicks in a little later. I think that's very recent. Now, if If I think about that, that's very recent. Like I think I've very recently been able to sit down and look back and be like, all right, these are the things you've done for this city, man. You've done some cool shows. You've done a couple of those. I think it's very recent. I'm still trying to kind of validate in that area, though, I feel like. I feel like I often feel like I'm doing something that's very worthless a lot of the time. Do you ever feel that way about the crap? I feel like a good hobby should feel like it's absolutely worthless for a while. That should be it, right? Like, I don't know if I should necessarily feel like my comedy is valuable until it's really good. Until yeah. then, I'm, you know, I'm hosting my shows and I'm doing my thing. Smoking a lot of weed, though. You know, like, I don't know if I necessarily should be at that point of like, you you done something good, kid. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I burned the couch this morning. I'm not necessarily... necessarily the aligned i'm not like jerry seinfeld up here like what's the deal with airline food i never even been on an airplane i ain't even <laughs> so i feel like i still got some work to do there i'm trying to get there though i think if the trajectory i'm on right now i think by like continue i'm just gonna check the cameras oh yeah absolutely i think by 2024 man i am i am that dude i think i can finally look at myself and say hey i've done a couple things at least i might be a funny dude by 2024 that's what we're hoping for at least i'm hoping for at least either that i'm a funny dude by 2024 or that my ebt card is reloaded by 2024 because i have been waiting on that for months they still ain't hit me with them benefits i don't know what's going on it's like am i funny or am i broke which one Hey, you can broke. be both. <laughs> you can walk and chew gum at the same 100%. time. 100%. I promise Funny you. Funny and broke are a symbiotic relationship, yeah. I almost feel like. I feel like those two things go hand in hand. Funny and traumatized are go hand in now, hand. Now, that is true. <laughs> now, that is absolutely true. Well, no, I was listening to a uh, – well, I was, I was watching this. I was yeah. at work, too. But there, uh, it was kind of sad at how short it was. Right. But it was a roundtable that I think Vanity Fair did. Yeah. And it was a roundtable – I didn't know the the female comedian. I don't know who she was. I guess she had a HBO special come out recently. Okay. But it was her, uh, Marlon Wayans, Matt Reif, Tom Segura, and um, that might be it, actually. Um, but they were talking about just comedy in general. It was about a 30-minute uh, like piece. I've seen those. And, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah and yeah. what Waynes was talking about is uh, it kind of relates to what you were just saying. He goes, you know, I really got down on myself for a long time about, you know, because even – because he talks about, yeah, like I went – I started doing stand-up comedy after uh, Scary Movie 1 and 2, after White Chicks. I had millions of dollars, but I still did the open mics. I still right. did all this kind of stuff, and yeah. I got really down on myself because I was like, well – 
is this even doing anything? What am I getting out of this? And he's like, no, I had to like change my mindset a little bit. And, th- and this really clicked for me. He was like, yeah, if I'm just going up there and going through the motions and I'm just like retorting things that I've written down that I think are funny, I've gotten nothing out of it. But if I actually go out there and I try and I put my best foot forward in what I'm doing, even if it's an open mic, and it's funny as I thought about Slice Parley, it was even if it's an open mic at a pizza shop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's even if I bomb my ass off, it's still, it's, I learned something. This is the thing. Was, Marlon Wayne was there Tuesday. You didn't know that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's back to open mics now. <laughs> <laughs> open mic and this. No, but if we continue. But yeah, he, uh, he just goes, Yeah, like there's no such thing as a bad night now because, yeah. or at least back things. He's like, Well, I can, was my stage presence off? Was right. my energy not as high as it should have been? Did right. I miss a punchline? Did I miss a tag? Did I miss up my words? Did mm. I pronounce something wrong? Or what did I do well? Like, what are some things that I did uh, well that I can uh, compound on and stuff like that? Right, right, right. And that's the thing. I mean, but so he, you're saying that he started doing that while he had millions of dollars. He was up there like bombing. Dude, if I bombed with a million dollars, yeah, yeah, it wouldn't be a bad night. You're right. <laughs> yeah, he's saying I can't have a bad night. You're right. You cannot have a bad night when know. you're weigh-ins with I, millions of I, dollars. Right? I don't I know. Like, I think there would actually be more pressure on you to do well because you're weigh-ins with millions of dollars. Probably, and you, though. And then and you step up there and you're not funny. Dude. People would if you're at the pizza shop, people will go to the back and grab tomatoes. It's true, they'll grab tomatoes and be like, "This is why I liked Good Burger better." And that's it, and they'll just start chugging them. This is it. Now you can't. This is why they canceled the Wayans Brothers. This is exactly, this is why they canceled, and that's yeah, they'll just not be feeling. That's that's the thing, man. But I mean, I don't know. Like you're gonna continuously bomb. This is like an impossible craft. I feel like to not like like despite being broke, not broke, right? Like it's gonna be something you have to figure out, right? Unless you're doing Kevin Hart material or something, which you know I feel like. You're gonna be bombing. That's gonna be it, right? That's the thing. But he did it with a million dollars. So that's why I do just feel like that's got to be a better feeling. <laughs> it's just gotta be though. Yeah, it's like yeah, fuck you guys. I'm funny. Gets in his Bentley and bounces out. That's kind of it. That's kind of it too. Because like, and I don't know. You bomb. You have that celebrity status, but you can always come back with it, right? Like you yeah. had that celebrity for a while. You right. got connections in the industry now at this yeah. point. Work on that twenty and hit him again. That's it. Yeah. No, that's fair. And um. I don't know. I just I like the fact that comedy is booming so much. Yeah. I like the fact that so many people are trying it out. I mean, like tonight at Chuck's open mic, mm-hmm. uh, one of my friends, his girlfriend, we both convinced her, like, hey, if you keep, keep talking about it, that's it. Do it. That's it. Just do it. Gotta jump in. Worst case scenario, well, that's what I told. Like, worst case scenario, you bomb. Yeah. And it's yeah, you might feel bad for a little bit. Yeah. But you'll be fine. Yeah. And bombing can be awesome. It just takes a long time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it'll take a good six to eight weeks, and then you'll be like, all right, that was a fun time. That was a funny story. That was it. I bombed at a nursing home once. And like oh, you feel bad Jesus. bombing in front of them. But then you leave and you're like, oh, none of them remember. Where- That's fantastic. <laughs> Nobody knows I just bombed. They don't even know I was there. That's fantastic. Where the fuck was this? This was at a nursing home. So Zach Abeda put me, Jake Otero, and I believe it was Steph Darnell. Which is a banger lineup. It was me, <laughs> Zach Abeda, Steph, and Jake at a nursing home facility. I couldn't remember which one it was. It was somewhere off of Indian school, something like that. Just something by the university area. And uh, yeah, we performed for like 
about nine elderly folk, two of which could not move, three couldn't open eyes. It was just fantastic. Great show. We just had a great time. You, know? <laughs> you bomb, though, and you leave, and you realize you know, take a couple oxys with you on your way out. I was going to say, you steal a couple pills and an so apple pie. Saying, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> that's it, man. I'm telling you, though, the bombs become fun stories, I feel like. That's you had any fun bombs yet? You had any like good bombs? Like, no. That was a, that was a good I've bomb. Had like a meaty bomb? I've had a pretty embarrassing one, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was at Chuck's open mic. Mm-hmm. This was like, fuck, like a month and a half, two months yeah, ago, maybe. Yeah. And I signed up, and I underestimated how long it was going to take for me to get on. Yeah. And so up until that point, and I'm returning to this policy because I need it, um, I never drank, smoked, mm. nothing before I went on stage. So I know for a fact, like, I don't want any excuses. I don't want any excuses for why I bombed or yeah. for why I did well. Yeah, you know what I mean. I don't, oh, because I was looser, because I was because I was a little buzz, so I did better. No, fuck that. Yeah, it's I'm sober. I went up there. I own everything that I just did and said. Right, but this night was not the case, and so I sat and I thought I was gonna go up in like 20 minutes. Time was passing, so I was like, okay, I'll just grab a beer. Yeah. Well, no, I went and grabbed a old fashioned. Well, an old-fashioned turned into two more beers and three whiskeys. Oh, man. It's that way. And I walked up there. I don't even think I shook Chuck's hand. I think I grabbed the mic and tried to, like, dap him up really quick. (laughs) (laughs) And so I get up there, and I... Fuck, dude, I missed. I started one of my jokes with a punchline that didn't work. Nah. I like missed two tags. I forgot words. Uh. And I think I ended my set like three and a half minutes in. And I was just like, yeah, that's about all I get. Have a good night. And I didn't even like finish my <laughs> sentence. And people were looking at me like, wow. You're like, no. He's the bomb of the night. <laughs> they, it's that one, it's him. It's him. That's fantastic. I love oh, a yeah. two faded bomb. That's oh, yeah. my favorite though. I love oh, that. So bad. God, I'd get up there so coked up sometimes. I remember in Santa Fe one time I got up on stage and I was too coked out to move. I couldn't oh, move, Jesus. which means your mouth isn't moving. So I oh, got up onto the stage no. with a microphone and just like jittered for a second. Homie had to like catatonically move me off of the stage. Had to like back me up into it. Like it pulled out a stretcher nearly, I swear. It was wild, man. I've had some oh, I've had some I've had shit. some messed up bombs. There's been a couple of those, man. That's it. But you learn from those. Bro, I feel like that was just a gren- the detonator didn't even go off on that one. That's yeah. Oh, that was just yeah. No, I, I couldn't get that one moving at all. I bombed at Buck D's Def Jam so bad one time. Oh, I remember no. Buck D came up to me before the show and he was like, Hey man, so you're doing Def Jam. I was like, okay, I'm doing Def Jam. I'm the white guy on Def Jam. There's always yeah, one white yeah. guy. He was like, so since you're the white guy on Def Jam, don't be weird. I get on stage. I'm like, I'm not going to be weird. I walk up. First thing out of my mouth, I was like, you know, the thing about the hard R is, and then just no, just boo, no chance. You got to ease into that one, buddy. Yeah, you got to <laughs> jump into that pool. You can't, you can't <laughs> dive straight into that thing, man. That's it. Did not go. That's well. the one pool that they, that they can swim in and you can't. That's it. That's it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Don't be doing no hard on material. Oh God, that's hilarious, man. Um, so one thing that I'm finding is how do I put this? Like, at least in Albuquerque, I obviously you need to be like we established earlier. You need to be funny. You need to have a good work ethic, right? But supplementing that very crucial, cru- uh, supplementing that in a crucial way is your mindset to approaching comedy. And your mindset to approaching different venues, approaching different types of crowds, 
is how has your mindset towards comedy changed in the way that you deliver it? And then have you noticed that people with not even a negative mindset, but a more, I guess selfish is negative, but a more selfish mindset, a more self-centered mindset, not only does it hold them back, but it could potentially hold the perception of Albuquerque comedy back. Right. I mean, that's kind of the thing. Is like you're out there representing every time. Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah. Kind of mean like like how do you? Well, feel? how does it develop? Like in one hand, it's like how does it develop you as a comic and your material, and then how does it represent Albuquerque? Because that's the issue, positive or not issue. That's the fact with com with Albuquerque entertainment, for better or worse. Yeah. No matter what show you go to or what event you go to, if there's a band playing or if there is a comic on stage and they were billed as such, right? Like you're going in, going into something with the impression I'm going to be entertained by music. I'm going to be entertained by comedy Mm. because of the Albuquerque mindset. Again, for better or worse, these people are not just the arbiters of their version of the art. They are now the arbiters of the Albuquerque edition of you know what i mean like mm-hmm. so for instance you go on stage yeah. you're not just representing tyler lovely the comedian right you are now partially representing albuquerque comedy because how many times have you heard it let's just be honest mm. how many times have you heard it from an audience member it's like man that comic fucking sucked is that all comedians that all comedians in albuquerque must be like that mm-hmm. or let's see or they were really offensive are all albuquerque comedians just super offensive like right. i know you've heard that Right, and that, I've heard that, and and the reason I think we're hearing that so much, these people like uh, our people don't know how to laugh yet. Like they haven't been introduced to this kind of thing a lot of the time. Like with dry heat, I feel like we're always teaching these people how to do this. What is going on right now? Most people have never seen a comedy show in this city whatsoever. So when they're leaving one with the impression that they got from that show, that's their entire impression of Albuquerque comedy. They have nothing to compare it to ever. It's kind of why I do feel like, especially particularly with my hosting, it needs to be a high energy focus. Let's turn this thing on kind of vibe because I want people to leave and think that we got some juice in this thing. I want people to leave and think there's some gas in this tank and like something's going on around here because I do kind of take it on my shoulders in that way a little bit. I think we all kind of do a little bit. There's a whole lot of pressure that we're representing something. If it's not ourselves, it's the family, it's our maybe our workplace, it's something. We're representing something. And if you're on stage, it's probably Albuquerque comedy that you're representing. And yeah, like I said, it's like they have nothing to compare it to. So that's why I feel like it is important for us to send it every time. We really got to try to turn up on that. But it's hard to do because like, what do you do? We're not Austin. We don't have six mics a night. We, you know, we have six a week. We got six that you can bang out in the week. So for some people pulling up to a Wednesday open mic at Red Door, they're going to pull up and see that and think that that's what Albuquerque comedy is. This is open mic. Right. That ain't even that ain't and even. And they don't know the difference. Do you yeah. think, do you think that a lot of the the not I hate saying ignorance because ignorance has a bit of a negative connotation to right. it, but the not knowing of it, do you think that's because of the 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 detached from real life and what they see in social media for comedy? Yes. Because social media is so curated. That's where I start to see flaws in that social media again, though, is that what they're representing on like a TikTok account of one of these comedians is not reflective of that set that they even did when they recorded that thing. Like you're watching a, t- a video that's chopped, edited, screwed. It's kind of designed to look like a slot machine effect of what their comedy is. It's like if their comedy was put into a slot machine, that's their TikTok account. And you're getting that kind of effect out of the phone. It's kind of the thing. And so people will sit there at their house and they're, you know, smoking with their wife and they're looking at TikToks of Matt Reif and Troy Bond and all these hilarious dudes. 
And now they're holding comedy in general to a candle like that. Now I'm competing on the level of Matt Reif, Troy Bond. I'm competing against Andrew Santino. I'm competing against Tom Segura. Everyone with a phone out there that's doing this thing. I'm competing with the whole world as well as Albuquerque, New Mexico. That's where it gets detrimental because Albuquerque residents in general have never seen the show, but they've seen TikToks. And that's where the detriment comes in, is that they've seen Matt Reif do that crowd worky thing, that cute boy thing or whatever. They've seen Pete Davidson do whatever he does, whatever. I don't know if it's stand-up or not, but <laughs> they see whatever Pete do, is doing. They know about Pete. That's it. I get people telling me, they're like, Pete Davidson. That's the thing. And so they get this, this idea in their head of what this thing is from a very external source. It's not from the community. So if you go to a local show, you might think it's bad comparatively to what you're thinking comedy is based off of this social media stuff. So I don't think the detriment is necessarily from our community whatsoever, but there is something there, something to be said that when people are going to shows, they're expecting us to kill every time. Like people expect that. They almost want to see that. Even if they paid $5 for a show, it's like, dude, you paid $5 for this if we made you laugh twice, I feel like that's valuable, right? I feel like we killed it. If we got two laughs out of you for well, five bucks. Yeah, I agree with that. But right. then on the other hand, I think if you are paying, and this is something that I learned from Buck, right? 100%, right. If, that you're, if you're paying for a show, you should get the best possible out of that absolutely. person. Now, we're all humans, mm-hmm. and sometimes entertainers don't give their best whether they want to or not, mm-hmm. right? But it is well within your rights to expect that. And what I will say is because of the amount of talent that we do have, here right, in Albuquerque. Right, and and like, and that's just, what I'm excited about. And I know that there's a lot of right. drama surrounding it. I know there's a lot of, and frankly, f- and I've tried to open my ears to both sides of it. Right. I think I think uh, one side is a little more right than the other. I think it's all bullshit. Frankly, mm. I am excited for the Cantina coming because what that means to me, in theory, I don't know this for a fact, but in theory, what that means to me is. If you've got somebody, like we named a little bit earlier, uh, Eric Griffin's coming, yeah. Ali McCoskey's coming, Shane Torres is coming. Yeah. So if you have these guys coming in, and let's say they either plan on coming and saying, give me one of your best features. Right. I'm giving this I'm giving this comic, regardless of what gender they are, whatever. I'm giving this comic 15 minutes of stage time in front of, what is it? Like the capacity of that cat is like 300 people? I think 150 to 300, right? I want to say. Okay. Yeah. So um, let's meet in the middle and say 200, yeah. 225, yeah, say 200, right? Yeah. Okay. Actually, because math is easier this way. Let's say 200 people. Mm-hmm. All right. That means that this local comic who, again, I've established that I love Dry Heat, but they only, like the only legitimate comedy club in Albuquerque right now is Dry Heat. Yeah. So that's what they have to aim for. Right. Is a 50-seater room. Now, this comic like you, Steph, Zach, Buck, uh, Josh Fournier, Kurt, fucking Jake Otero, yeah. right? All these killers, right? That now, when they're looking at Dry Heat, they can still, that can still be your fucking home club. Heard that. However, mm. you now have an opportunity to go not only say that you've been attached to a famous comedian yeah. and you featured or opened for them because that is a credit for you. Right. Right. Not only can you say that, you can now say that you have quadrupled that, that crowd size in your hometown. You went in front of them and God hope you killed. Right. Right. That is an amazing opportunity. Yeah. And I love the fact that that's finally coming here to Albuquerque because again, yeah. I haven't been privy to comedy here very much. Right. But. I could only imagine, and that's why I asked a little bit earlier about like what it was like beforehand, because I could only imagine what comedy was like pre-pandemic 2015. Like, I know there was laughs, but that closed down. Yeah. Even when laughs was around, it wasn't that much. But now that like entertainment has really 
starting to take a center hold of Albuquerque and we have this, that means someone out there in the ether is finally paying attention to Albuquerque and being like, hey, there is talent here. Mm -hmm. Let's just see what the fuck happens. 100%. And that's kind of the thing about that too. And like, just to speak on that cantinas that's opening up here, I like, I need it to be totally clear. I'm the resident host at Dry Heat Comedy Club and I am fully in support of Caseta's or Cantina Comedy Club. I'm yeah. very down with that, 100%. I think we need to build out here. We need to go forward, up more, get those more seats, more comics, whatever that looks like. Absolutely, this local club going to be kicking it the whole time. I promise oh, yeah. you that. We're gonna oh, yeah. Be- well, no, and all that, again, a high tide raises all ships. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. This is a feast. 100%. Not a this is going to turn people on mm-hmm. to opportunities. And that drama with the comedy scene is just something that is just so hard to dodge sometimes, but it can miss me every time. I'm good yeah, on that. Bullshit. Let's just get people laughing out here. And if we get an Ali Makovsky, we're getting Craig Kinnett, Shane Torres over here, do that. I'm supportive of that 100%. And to further that too, I think that speaks on actually how <laughs> successful I feel like Dry Heat has been this far. If we're looking at other comedy clubs coming to this town in any way shape or form if it's through casinos they've got their own property brick and mortar style whatever it is i feel like dry heat inspired a bit of a wave in that aspect it made it well, so that cur- people can pull up look at this scene and be like they're selling tickets we can well, do this well it curated for sure yeah the the so i like to say too but like some of the major things about dry heat that are positive to promoting that yeah. is well obviously the stage time mm-hmm. right and the opportunity to go out and do that you get paid and yeah you get paid here and there for the show i don't know how much you guys get paid but you get paid right there's some right. money here and there Absolutely. so but what is nice, I think some of the two major things is that the stage time and the environment we've already talked about, and then the fact that it looks so damn good on camera. Yeah. Like, like, so let's just call it what it is. Get great clips out of it. It looks good on camera. 100%. And if you get a good camera back there, or even just a really great iPhone, yeah. and you have a great set, or you have a great bit, whatever, throw it on social media, that could help you out well, a lot. 100%. 100%. And so, Again, maybe it's a little bit of optimism on my part, but I would imagine, provided the cantina goes well. Right. Provided that that goes well. Yeah. And it doesn't go tits up like most things in Albuquerque. Right, right, right. right. Provided right. this goes well, which I pray to God it does. And yeah. what, so a little side note about it, I looked at the tickets. 15 to $25 a pop? Not bad at all. Bro. Not bad at all. I'm going to be there every fucking weekend. I'm telling you. I'm so fucking happy. I'm telling but you. But my point is, is... I'd imagine. So this is opening up in like December, right? It's like yeah, next week. Yeah, I think it right? starts next week. Yeah, right. I think the eighth. Okay, let's say this goes well, mm-hmm. um, and things are comedy or comics are still coming through. More comics are finding out about it, and then these uh, the local comics are getting up, being able to be features, getting able to be openers. They're getting exposed to more people here in Albuquerque. People yeah. start looking you guys God, up. Then I it mean, becomes that would be so ideal. Yeah. Right? Then it like becomes fuck. Be- I miss Tyler. At- the cantina, but he's doing a show at Dry Heat next boom. week. Let's go check him out. Boom, boom. That's oh, it. it's eight bucks less. Let's go fucking check exactly him out. Exactly it. That's exactly it. It's and only this, a net positive. And that's the thing. And there just is always going to be something going on in both these spots. That's what it's going to come down to. Is that there's just going to be options for these for the people of Albuquerque. That's what it comes down to. You just got two places you can hit up. Hit up both in one night if you want. Pull up yeah. on both of us. It'll be awesome. It's not expensive to do that. Now, granted, <laughs> you're gonna have to all. fucking speed your ass up to Rio Rancho. Uh, the thing you're gonna have to. You know, but you know, people are speeding on I forty. <laughs> 25 anyway they ain't slowing down either way you know that's it. it'll be just as fast regardless they can no. pull up on us too i'm saying fucking exactly man that's it man and i'm just excited for all the change that's coming to this city because yeah you know, i guess just to bring it back to it's like yeah this city really came up from when i started comedy it was not the way it is right now 100 percent not we have really flipped this thing around it was yeah. very gatekeepy it was very 
different. There was weird shows going on and not a lot of effort going into it. And right now where we're standing, I think everybody is working their ass off to make this a good scene right now. And that includes you. That includes me. That's it. I'm doing my best. I'm telling you, you in there too, man. <laughs> Shit, you putting all my boys on. I saw that Buck D episode. Saw that Fournier episode. Steph, those are all my boys, man. We're out here rocking this scene. We're making stuff happen. And that's and that's why I sing all y'all's praises because, like, granted, I'm, I'm a big guy. Yeah. I'm a big on I'm a, I'm very big on supporting local. I'm even bigger on supporting good local. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Support good local. That doesn't that. mean gatekeeping. That means acknowledging talent and boosting hey, that. Yeah, putting hey, that on stages. These yep. people are fucking funny. 100%. You know what I mean? And it only makes it better that every person you just named, yeah, great people. Yeah, that's They're all good people. Yeah. Good inclusive scene. That's what we made. Yep. We made a hardworking inclusive scene right now. Yep. That's what I think we're looking at at the moment. I'm glad you're a part of it too, man. Shoot, you joined at a great time. I feel like. I'm I'm happy to do whatever I can. No, like, no, we got good timing out here. Doing this, doing mean. this podcast has been a fucking blessing. I'm loving comedy so far, and uh, I think this note of positivity is a good one to end it on. Heard that. There's a lot we didn't talk about, so I'd love to have you back. We're doing a part two. I'm telling you, we gotta do to that part two. We got plenty to to, uh, to backtrack on. 100%. But before we get out of here, yeah. where can people find you on social media? Yeah. And then, uh, do you have any shows coming up? I got plenty of shows coming up. I'm at Dry Heat this Friday. That's gonna be the December first, I believe. And then at Dry Heat every weekend. I catch me at Dry Heat constantly. In fact, that's a good way to follow me. If you hit up Dry Heat Comedy Club on Instagram, it's a good place to start. I'm also Ty LaBeouf on Instagram. Hit me up on IG. That's the place to find me. Fuck yeah. Tyler Lovely, everybody. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks.